ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall and Michael J. Flores here. Say hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Thank you, thank you. That never gets old, I think. Oh yeah, no, yeah, certainly not. I don't not. think that probably ever. <laughs> what are we here for? Uh... Here for the iced tea, obviously. Yeah. This uh, is uh, the, the longest-running podcast in the history of Magic the Gathering and other media. Or podcasts. Or podcasts, Who can yeah. prove otherwise? I don't know. You'd have to look it up. You know, we're, you know we've got a cameo in an Avengers comic. In an Avengers comic? Butch Mappa is doing an Avengers comic for IDW, like whatever that young, like the, the young adult Avengers comic is. And he's like, he's like, don't worry, guys. I already got the Top 8 Magic cameo in. Wow, you're shitting me. No. I'm in love with... I mean, I was already in love with Butch Mappa's work. Now I'm just in love with Butch Mappa. Yeah. Yeah, we've got that whole Brown Brothers thing going on anyway. He comes from the same home country as me. He does. Which is the Philippines. Yeah. When was the last time you were in the Philippines? 1980. <laughs> 1980. <laughs> That's a long time ago, Mike. Yeah, my, my parents go back like every year. They're like, hey, do you want to go back? I was like, no, not really. Not really. Huge uh, basketball culture in the Philippines now. Yeah. Yeah. Big I NBA. Mean, my, I mean, I think, I think a big part of my love of basketball actually was imparted to me by my father. So um, Seth Byrne used to say, and I'm not to say which culture it was, has no concept of fair play. But I can tell you, as a, as a native-born Filipino, it is a cultural aspiration uh, conceptually to put one over on the man, right? So it's, it's less about, like, unfair play in general, I think. And I think, like, the average person who knows, like, Filipino people is like, oh, these are, like, very generous people who have an odd love for ballroom dancing. <laughs> but... Filipinos have a have this cultural desire to put one over on the man. So it just, just kind of get away with things. So one of the things my dad taught me is like, well, say you're going up for a layup. You go up for a layup, you could spit in the defender's eye, and ref's never gonna see it. You can't really see that play, and sometimes you get a layup. Is your dad a huge, huge New England Patriots fan? He's not any kind of a New England patient. Is that Bill Belichick? Yeah. You know, he was our coach in the 80s, right? I do. In the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Uh, where he acquired the nickname Belichoke. Uh, I don't know how that's worked out yeah. for him. Not, not, not great. Yeah. Um, so we're not actually here for the tea or to talk about Filipino stereotypes. It's not, really, it's, it's, it's not a stereotype. It's a cultural ideal. <laughs> but I can, first of all, I can... You know, normally people are like, well, I'm this kind of you know, uh, ethnicity, so I can say, I never get that chance. So I was sharing that with our Canadian <laughs> listeners. All I'm saying is, I love Butch Mappa's work. Y'all Canadians should buy it. Not sure if Face-to-Face Games carries comic books. They should start. Yeah, do you know which book I'm talking about? No, I, I think I've heard of it. Um, I guess there's so many Avengers now that they can't just fit in Marvel comics. But this comics. is an IDW comic, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe uh, Disney accidentally bought IDW. You know, like that that one morning when um, when uh, Jeff Bezos woke up and he's like, "Hey Siri, 
buy me some Whole Foods, and then it, he bought Whole Foods by accident with Siri. <laughs> you know, I think maybe it's one of them. Yeah, Marvel Action Avengers. It may, is it a licensed comic that's like uh, maybe licensed to uh, adapt maybe one of their TV shows? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so that'd yeah. be kind of cray cray. Yeah, so we're, we're so if you look at that book somewhere, there will be a Top Eight Magic cameo. He he drew us into one of the grim fairy tale books. It's oh yeah, day. that's a that's a, a well known cameo, well known to the people who follow you on Twitter. Just to share a little sex in the city. Why is that? That's uh, a long story. Why is B wearing a MAGA hat? <laughs> He's wearing a Mitko hat. Well. Or maybe an arena hat. It's got a planeswalker symbol. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think so far? Theros, Beyond Death, spoilers, we're in the middle of the season. Like, what's your what's your general like take? I know I've been playing an ungoshly amount of Magic the Gathering personally recently. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, are, you, are you playing... Are you qual- Well, you qualified for... The, yeah, so I played in a PTQ. We talk, which we talked eight, about. No, no, I top-aided that one. Then I played in a prelim, which I won. Which we talked about. Then I played in a PTQ, which I won. Then I played in an SCG qualifier, which I top-aided. Then I just played another one that I topped for. Roman won both of them. Oh, nice. Good for no, Roman. No, it's not. It's bullshit. Good for Roman. In the opposite top four bracket, both of the guys were qualified. You understand he edits this, right? Yeah, and Good FM. Good for Roman. FM... Right. Like he's in the top four. Both of them are qualified. They can't throw us the slots. When, when the podcast I... is just me saying "good for Roman" with no <laughs> response from you, people will wonder why. So it's because I am very nice. So I'm like, we're supposed to go to dinner, and, Ro- and I'm just like, Roman, just just we we'd already done a top four split for like a pretty decent amount of money actually. Um, and so I'm like, let's just just go. He's like, I got to win again. Look, you're not playing for anything. You're not playing for like. A championship belt here, right? We did a top four split. I already didn't get the slot. You got the slot last week. Let's go. He's like, no, I need to play. And so he he claims he deliberately played awful. I mean, he he made a series of monkey like feces and banana throwing at his opponent, which were successful because they were burn cards. Are they like two separate handfuls of feces and bananas, or are they feces with like bananas in them? I'm like, yo, why did you play like that? And he's just like. I didn't care anymore. It's yeah, also going to be very confusing when that yeah. statement by me is just presented out of context with no, nothing. bananas. Yeah. I was just like, what, what is he talking why about? Why did you do that? And he's like, I won. And I'm like, oh. And he's just later, he's just like, so I just wanted to troll you because I know you played really hard in your impossible matchup bracket and I got this easy matchup and I just wanted to throw any assorted number of burn cards in any order. <laughs> I'm like, but that was wrong. Why did you lead off with a lightning bolt? <laughs> like, he just did it. He did yeah. it. it. It was. I was. It was super tilting. He just wanted to prove to you. It just doesn't really matter how you play the red deck. I mean, like he played a first. So he, his opponent has a bird. Plays a first turn rift bolt to float the rift bolt, and he has an eidolon, right? And then his opponent plays a bird. He's like, all right, rift bolt the bird. And I'm looking at his hand. There's 15 points of burn and an eidolon in his hand. No, maybe four burns. 12 points of burn and an eidolon. I'm just like, why would you have ever possibly bolted the bird there, right? He's just like, just want, just wanted to troll you. Years of conditioning. It's uh, it's hard, man. It's yeah. hard. So you've been playing a lot of Magic. Yeah. You're you're going to the the, the PT. Yeah. The regional PT, which is when? Uh, 
February. Okay. First or second week of February. I, you know, it's funny. I called John today and I'm like, yo, did you book your travel for the pro tour yet? Right? And then he's just like answering because he had one word answers. And I'm just like, this is like kind of unfriendly, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm not like trying to horn in on his like boot camp. I just want to know like what day to you go, should, right? You should try having him do that to you on camera. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, yes. Okay. Clearly I'm asking for a reason, right? So, so I'm like, you know, and then and then later he's, he, I'm like, look, I I don't know if you're doing boot camp or I'm just going to play, and then he's like, I'm just going to play. I'm like, well, I, I haven't gone since they've changed around the format yet. Is there a reason for me to go before Thursday? Scott, I don't really know what you're going for. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I want a PTQ. I thought you knew, and he's like, oh, I guess I did know, but Austin's not a pro tour. So I'm like, but I didn't ask you if you were going to Austin. Yeah, yeah he's going I to Austin. If you're going to pro- he's going to Austin to because play. I didn't even know. Because he's even, in the year end. Thing. He's in the the, the, the Pro Tour yeah. uh, Team Series Finals, which I didn't even know was this weekend. Yeah, well, point being, he was answering a, a different question. He's just like, I don't know why you'd be going. And I'm like, because I'm qualified for the Pro Tour. He's like, Austin's not a Pro Tour. I'm like, but I'm not going to Austin. I asked you about the Pro Tour. And he's just like, oh, I'm playing in the Team End Final. <laughs> This has nothing to do with my question. Yeah, he's probably also not playing in the Pro Tour here. But I don't even know. Do they pl- do? Uh, do Hall of Famers not do, get? Do qualified? Hall of Famers play in all of those, or is he automatic? Oh, I don't know. If, oh, I guess he's not. He probably has to play in those. Still, right? He's just a Hall know. of Famer. Just a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I wasn't even sure what tournament I was invited to. But yeah. Scott Larrabee sent me a form letter the next day. Zvi found out that he is qualified for the MCW this weekend. Um. Just like the MCQW, whatever. You just play arena against the arena a thousand other dorks. Yeah. yeah. And he just found out that it's this weekend, and he was a little upset that he just found out. And then people were like, well, you know, they... Is they he already qualified for the Mythic Championship? Well, you knew he was qualified. He didn't know when it was. He didn't know it was this weekend, right? Yeah. And so multiple people were like, hey, man, you know that information was out there. And he's like, hey, man, you know, like five people messaged me and were like... Oh, I only found out about it from you complaining about me not knowing. Yeah, yeah, Marcel said the same thing. He like can't play now because he had work commitments in and telling. Yeah, uh, I mean it's got to be like what? So you're so you also ground to mythic. I didn't ground. I didn't get to the. I just ground to mythic and then stopped. I yeah. didn't get to like whatever mythic level you need to I, get to. I really, I'm really self conscious about this. Like, I'm currently silver. Well, like, it resets every every. No, no, you no. just reset. I got to. I got to. Diamond, I think, two months ago, right? Like, which is which was hard for me, right? Yeah. Got to that platinum, either platinum or diamond, pretty high, yeah. but not mythic. And then, like last, like, and then I got to I got to gold one really fast last last month, like in one in one burst. And then I didn't play after I won my PTQ, but I can't get out of silver right now. And the thing that's killing me is I talked to all these. I know a half a dozen people who are like, oh, I made it to mythic. And the thing that's really weird is I play paper tournaments with them, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm mythic. I'm mythic with this. And then I'm like. I am definitely better than you. So I got, I cannot get out of silver right now. So I got to Mythic last season playing best of three with yeah. the green black Golgari Adventures deck that Autumn and Allie Warfield and someone else played yeah. at uh, the last Mythic Championship. Didn't change a card. Yeah. Played the deck constantly. Didn't play a ton. Played like basically to complete my quests every day. Yeah. What do you consider competing your quests? Just like filling in three bubbles or hitting fifteen wins? Uh, generally hitting, uh, sometimes hitting 15 wins, it depends. I used to try to hit 15 wins every day, but obviously you're going to fill your bubbles before you get to 15 Yeah, I mean, wins, I'll, right? so, I usually hit my 15 wins by doing a draft or something. So. But yeah. So, I can't, I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, are my decks just so bad? Like, that's the other thing. 
I haven't made. I mean, I think this will be my first set where I'll make the convert, like actual cash investment to get some packs. Like it will also be good for. Can I draft with those packs? No, you can only draft with coins. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Why did I? Why did I buy packs? <laughs> I don't so you it. can open them up, so you can have cards. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Am I just cheap at arena? I, you could do. You could get a lot done without spending a lot of money. I haven't put a ton of money into, or uh, into arena. I've I've got like almost complete everything that's legal and standard. I've never failed to. And make, then I just you can just wild card for your balance. I've right? never failed to make gold. Before. I mean, I'm not going to fail to make gold, but I can't. The fact that I'm like silver four or something is is biting me. So it's biting me too. I might want to just turn off the recorder and walk away. Right. And I just leave my phone here. Even I don't even want the phone. Yeah, it's terrible. Right? No, I mean I got to gold one in one day last month. That's the yeah, thing. That's, yeah. that's like that's the normal. Yeah, that's, that's the normal be, path, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I mean, when I opened up and I just lost my first match at Bronze Four, like I, first match, I'm like, all right, let's play another one. And I lost my second match at Bronze Four, and I was just like, am I about to go O three? Oh no, I drew an Embercleave. <laughs> okay, let's rock and roll. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're in the part of the metagame I'm in. It seems to be all Golgari adventures and Gruel. And I think, like, neither of my decks is that good against Gruul. I think it's a problem. Like, it's just literal, like, mono first-turn pup collectors. I'm very excited for the new cards to get here and to, like, burn some of my wild cards and build some new decks. Mm. Because I am definitely... My my play pattern is about tired out on the Golgari adventure deck. My big big investments last cycle were the the one-two uncommon flash guy that gets that grows if you draw two cards in a turn yeah and that's what i added in one of my decks is that uh i mean is that a big investment wild card wise don't you have like a million uncommon wild cards oh yeah yeah, yeah. But oh, what, okay. what do you ever spend uncommon wild cards on there, <laughs> there are no playable uncommons i mean i week one of whatever i do in yeah. Theros standard will probably i'll probably just cash in a bunch of common and uncommon wild cards right just to get the deck all right, let's speak about some of these Theros Beyond Death cards. This Banishing Light card seems like it might have a future. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I, yeah, sure. This is a card I own more than four copies of yeah. because I accidentally bought more than more than one set because it's clearly a, a highly played. What, what cards do you want to talk about that you that you've seen? Are there any cards that really jump out at you? Uh, my favorite cards are Birth of Miletus. I figure I feel you're in love with Birth of Miletus. Okay, which one is that? Um, really, this, I mean, this is a very Michael J card. One white, Birth of Birth of Miletus is a saga. Uh, on chapter one, you search your library for a basic planes card, put it in your hand. Chapter two, make an 04 wall. Chapter three, get into your life. It's, you love it's this gas. card. It's like a pilgrim's eye <laughs> for two. It is. It is. It's, it's like. It's like half a pilgrim's eye for two, and then on turn three you get that blocker, that box. It's like a really, it's like a time delayed, really bad wall of omens, but it's the only wall of omens we've got, BDM. Yeah, no, it's true. If you put a splinter twin on that wall of omens, you're not winning any pro tours. Are there any, are there any ways to bounce enchantments? Anything good to bounce your own permanents? I mean, so you can make a lot of O4 walls and get a lot of planes. I, I feel like you don't want to draw too many of these. You might run out of basic planes. Yeah. That's one, that's one of the problems. Well, you don't have to draw... You don't have to... Oh, it does say basic planes. Yeah. I said planes card, but it does say basic planes card. Yeah. So, uh, I would play four in decks. 
I play that one. I think people were profoundly unexcited about this card. Uh, they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, I can just tell you, I guess people say things about cards that are just wrong all the time. I, I, I'm not going to say who I had dispute with. I'm just like, Wicked Wolf is clearly better than Questing Beast. You know, like, you're crazy. Well, I think that's been borne out, right? Yeah, but I said Wicked Wolf was better. Sure. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, why you're crazy? Like, Questing Beast has 100 abilities. I'm like, yeah, but look at look at what happened. Like, Wicked Wolf is just played in all these. Questing Beast is largely played as an anti card now. Right. right? It's not. I mean, I get. I think Questing Beast might have more uh, more play in formats like Pioneer. I, I find Questing Beast to be an annoying card to exist, though. I'll tell you why. Um, okay. It, it costs way too much secondary market money just because of all the bannings. So it's like a playable a playable mythic. So it just costs. I mean, I mean, I own it, so whatever. I bought it at, like, less than it currently trades at. I mean, like, Brazen Borrower, really? Look at look at that card. I'm like, oh, that should be a $30 <laughs> secondary market value card. It's nonsense, right? Yeah. All right, what are we looking at? Uh, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath is a card that... I predictably love. So this is a three casting cost card. One, and then each of the Simics for yeah. a 6-6. Six, six, done. Yeah. <laughs> in. I'll be in. Uh, so uh, when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. Okay. So you can only basically play this as a three-mana spell. And because the way I, I say spells, because whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life and draw a card. And then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So this is somewhere between a Risen Reef and a, um, what's the blue-green card? I can't okay. think of it. Put a card into land. Growth drop. Spiral. Growth Spiral, yeah. Um, and then it has Escape, green-green, blue-blue, exile five other cards from your graveyard. So, so basically, now it's unlikely that you're going to play this thing on turn three and then be able to escape it on turn five pretty easily. On turn four, I mean pretty easily, because you, you're going to need to get five cards in your it's graveyard. It's like an explore, right? Yeah. But this card's best friends with Cavalier of Thorns. This is like super besties. They love each other. They Because Cavalier of Thorns is putting garbage in the graveyard for it. Sure. I mean, ba ba and, but also this gets you... So you can play this on turn two pretty easily... Right, like with a goose, with a goose, or with grazer. a grazer. Uh, you play this on turn two. You put a third land into play, or another. I'm sorry, a fourth land into play. Untap. Play your fifth land. Play uh, cavalier. Cavalier three things into your graveyard. Maybe you fetch a land, do something, escape this the next turn, or they kill your cavalier. You get this back in your hand. Like you could get like a. Like you're, you're. Like what if the land you put into play was a was a, uh, what's the fetch land? Fable, oh, fable passage. Yeah, then you get yeah. you get it going both ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is like if you get this and like yeah, this this card's kind of nuts to me. It's a legendary creature. It is a legendary creature. Okay. I'm just saying, people like legendary creatures. So if I play it. And I have one in play. Yeah, to sacrifice it if I have it didn't to sacrifice escape. it if it didn't escape. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think there's a cool card. You want to go back to the to the to the listicle that we were mm -hmm. looking at uh, in red white. Can you go to red white cards? Sure. I mean, go figure. I I like a red white. Yeah, card. you are a you're a simple man. Predictably on brand. Yeah. Um, 
this guy. Oh, Hactos, the unscarred. Yeah. You like the scarred, do you? Yeah, he's RRWW for a 6-1. Hactos, the unscarred, attacks each combat if able. I mean, he only has one toughness, so he'll probably die in battle, right? <laughs> Actually, no. As Hactos enters the battlefield, choose two, three, or four at random. Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. But surely, Michael J., that doesn't mean one, five, and six. So, like, he's automatically, like, he's, like, auto-protection from, I don't know, Cauldron Familiar, every token creature ever printed. This is just starts with those, right? Yeah. So, like, you might be able to brawl with him with, let's say, a Tarmogoyf, right? Right. But might not, right? Right. Like, what if, like, he only doesn't have protection from four, but your opponent's deck was correctly built, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's it. Come on, four. Achilles needs a new pair of high-top sneakers. <laughs> so, yeah, this guy seems like he's a riot to me. Yeah. Yeah, this but is... But you can't buff him because he has protection from... You know, non-four. Okay. So, yeah. He's already buffed. He's like six power. Yeah. I mean, four, you know... I think he's a riot. I like him. Are you, You're not going to play this card in... You ever imagine playing this card in an older format? In like in... In modern? Yeah. So have you seen the deck I've been playing in modern? I top... Yeah, it's top the four. 19 lands. Yeah, yeah. 19 yeah, lands. Yeah. 41 drops. Yeah. One. I literally have 41 drops and one card that costs so you're, two. So you're saying no? No. Uh, I mean, I... Pioneer? I, uh, Pioneer, I don't know if I will ever muster two. Although, now that they've... So here's what, They've here's, ostensibly ruined the Pioneer format before my first Pioneer Pro I'm Tour, building so. to a point here. Yeah. My point being that if this card isn't good enough for Modern or Pioneer, it just might not be good enough for Standard right now. <laughs> you mean, it's just the same. <laughs> so people are like, how did you... How are you doing well in, in Modern? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, Oko. I beat Oko like five times last week. It, it, your game plan is to use all your mana every turn to, to gain three life? That's, that's a game plan? <laughs> we just didn't even attack their Oko most of the time. What, what are your Ooh, thoughts on... I have not seen this you card You haven't before. seen Pelucranos, the Unchained? No. Oh, this card's really good. Is, is this up my alley, do you think? I don't think so. I think it's like standing in your way and making you hate life. Yeah. So Pelucranos, the Unchained, is a 2BG for a... It's a 0, zero. Who gives a hang? Yeah, yeah. Pelucranos enters the battle with six plus one, plus one counters on it. It escapes... What? <laughs> it escapes with 12 plus one, plus one counters on it instead. If damage would be dealt to Pelucranos while it has a plus one, plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove... Oh, that many plus one, plus one counters. You could remove a ton then, right? Yeah. Probably not 12. Uh, one... BG Pelucranos fights another target creature and then escape for six and six other cards. How are we going to get enough cards in our graveyard for all these sick escape cards? That's really the question. I think this card is fine. Yeah. It's like, I mean, a 6-6 six, six for four is... Like, this is like such an Adrian Sullivan card, right? <laughs> like, oh, it's a 6-6 six, six for four. If nobody interacts with you via combat, it's probably insane, right? Right. Um, um, I mean, Wrath seem really good right now. You know what card actually seems great to me right now? Epic Downfall. Epic Downfall seems spectacular to me right now. I've been playing that black-green deck, and I've got, like, two Epic Downfalls in the sideboard, and I always want... Autumn Head, too? Yeah. I also copied Autumn. Did you see what I did? No. I played, um... I played, uh... Ten different mountains oh, yeah, and yeah, one yeah, snow-covered yeah. mountain. This past week, I made a key change to my deck. 
I took out my Bolos Almond Ket full art mountain and, and, and traded it in for a modern horizon oh, snow covered mountain. Shut so I have up. all three non snow ice age I gotcha. regular Let's mountains. Talk for a second about Epic Downfall. Yeah. Seems awesome. It's like a terror. It just decides to Doomblade. Well, except it exiles, right? Yeah, it just decides to Doomblade. I mean, yeah. actually, right. that seems sick against. I think this card's sweet. This uh, The card next to it to the left here is this Doge. Kenoros, Hound of Athreos. Yeah. Uh, one white black for a legendary hound. It's a 3 3 with Vigilance, Menace, and Lifelink. Creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. Players can't cast spells from graveyards. So this card is uh, it's a gnarled mass. Right, it's a it's three three for three, yep. with no downside. Uh, it's not a spirit, so that is a, somewhat of a downside. Yeah. It doesn't complete the Nard Mass creature type. But uh, from other perspectives, like you could play like a first turn, probably a come into play tap land. Let's be honest, and then a second turn hero, a third turn this, make a dude, uh, and then this would just turn off your opponent's idiot Pelucranos, their idiot Elspeth. <laughs> Their idiot blue green uh, so elder titan legend that you what, like. Idiot, idiot Elspeth is a yeah. a strong statement. You are you uh, pro Elspeth or that card is not only fantastic; it's going to be one of the defining cards in the format. So, so and I think people are like they just badly don't understand cards. So I, we're gonna have to host like a. Like some sort of like part, pardon the interruption yeah, because, kind of thing. Because Zvi doesn't like it. Zvi thinks it's garbage. Yeah, but Zvi missed something. I, re- I listen to that podcast. Yeah. You go look at the card. So, um, look at the structure of the card for a second. So the card so has. Elspeth, Sun's Nemesis, 2 WW, uh, Legendary Planeswalker, Elspeth, 5 loyalty, minus 1, up to 2 target creatures you control. Each got plus 2, plus 1 until end of turn. Minus two, create two minus two one one white human tokens. Minus three, you gain five life. Escape four WW, exile four other cards. So if you look, I can tell you that Jerry is also someone who really liked this card a lot so when I talked to him about it. The reason the card's really good is because of that minus three. So if you look at that card as a like minus three, it's like, oh, minus three, gain five life. That's that's like arguably the least powerful ability. Why is it minus three? The reason is it allows you to drop the Elspeth back into the graveyard from any position, right? So you, uh, if you go, if you go like uh, Elspeth Sun's Nemesis minus two, so you invest in it, right? Mm-hmm. Play Elspeth Sun's Nemesis, you make two one one white creature tokens. So I now have my Elspeth on three. Okay, you have Elspeth on three. You dump the Elspeth, right? Put it back into the graveyard and then rebuy it with escape and then immediately make two more. This is a very BDM would be. Imagine this was just on a card, as make four one one guys and gain, and gain uh, five life for six mana. Well, it's, and it's, it has it, flashback. It's, it's ten mana. It is, but I mean you're like down painting it, right? <coughs> sure. So, but the thing is, like, think about what kind of a bear getting sort of <laughs> BDM card this is, sure. right? You see what I'm saying? I do. The, the, the escape is actually—it's actually very powerful when you put them all together. This card will generate quite a bit of of board. It's like it's like an inevitable board position. It's an inevitable way to kill your opponent. And, and like the fact that you're gaining five life is kind of incidental. What it allows you to do is keep recycling the Elspeth, not for no mana. Obviously, it costs six mana to escape, but it's no mana to do the abilities. Right. Well, also, what's interesting about escape to me is. Uh 
Oh no, escape is still casting the card. Yeah, I was saying you couldn't counter it. So. You can counter it, but yeah. Boo. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna run out of counter spells before you run out of escape, <laughs> right? Like. Yeah, that's fair. Well, maybe. You only have to escape four other. Yeah, I, I understand, but they, you know, are, are I mean, who's more like, or are they more likely to have three counter spells, or am I more likely to have twelve cards in my graveyard? But the, their counter spells had to be aimed at your other stuff, right? Sure. Yeah, Some of those yeah, things were putting things into your graveyard. Yeah. That allowed that allowed oh. you to to set up this escape. I guess people will be going to that sinister sabotage instead of that didn't say please. I mean, was anybody on didn't say please instead of Mr. Sabotage and Constructed? I thought people played against me. I guess we can talk about this card, which is probably going to end up being the best card in the set and multiple formats. Uh, Heliod, Suncrown. Yeah. 2W for a legendary enchantment creature god. It's indestructible. Devotion to white is 5 to have it be a creature. Uh, whenever you gain life, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. And then... One W, another target creature gains life, link until end of turn. So there's a number of infinite combos with this. Right? Yeah, so the, I think the most exciting infinite combo to me is a modern one. You can just cast Collective Company and put Heliod and Spike Feeder into play. And the reason that this is so exciting is because you can cast Collective Company and put Heliod and Spike Feeder into play. Like, you could not do that with Arch Archangel of Thune and Spike Feeder was the same combo. Right. But Archangel of Thune is too expensive. Sure. Right? So... You, you might play Archangel of Thune in some of those decks, but you wouldn't be able to do it at instant right. speed. And, 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 you know, it's, it's sort of like a fairly unreliable instant speed tooth and nail for infinite life. Yeah. Well, this is a, a reasonably... Re the thing is, it's not just reasonably reliable itself, but there are many other ways that you can win. Yeah. Right? So, uh, an easy example is if you have Heliod and then six mana, right? You can't... It's hard to do with four mana unless yeah. you have other cards. It's easy to do it four mana. If you like, if you said second turn Daxos, Daxos is the new demigod yeah. um, that has a soul warden ability. So you, Daxos, Heliod, turn three, turn four, you have four mana. Uh, play a 1 1 walking ballista, trigger Daxos, um, and then Daxos causes you to gain life. Trigger Heliod, Heliod puts a plus one, plus one counter on the 1 1, on the 1 1 walking ballista. Now remove a counter from walking ballista to ping your opponent. Uh, it has. Uh, you give it lifelink. Yeah, you give it lifelink with the other two mana, and then yeah, it's, and it's an like infinite it. loop. Yeah. So you can't do it without the Daxos, or an equivalent, like you like in a Johnny's Welcome or something. Sure. Because if you just do it at four mana, then you have a 2-2 two, two walking ballista, but no mana to give it lifelink. Sure. So if you do it at 1-1, one, one, you could do it with three mana at 1-1 one, one if you have the card Mortal's Ardor. Mortal's Ardor uh, is one mana for target creature gets plus one, plus one, and lifelink until end of turn. You need to get two counters on it. No, no, start, Mortal's Ardor you don't. I'm saying you need to have, oh, sure. Yeah. You need to have toughness beyond one yeah, when it correct. starts. You just need to have toughness beyond zero at the point that you've removed <laughs> yeah. the first walking ballista plus sure. one, plus one counter. Or I guess you could get plus one, plus one counters from a variety of sources, right. right? So, like, if for sake of argument you had a hardened scales in play already, it would not be that difficult to do. Sure. But I think, so, people like it because it's a pioneer-eligible combo. Like, you could play, like, mono-white beatdown with Daxos, Heliod, and Walking Ballista. And that's probably, like, a fine deck because it just probably just crushes uh, mono-red, for example. Um, and then you, uh, which is the deck that I was just going to play... <laughs> In Pioneer, <laughs> uh, but probably not very good. 
in uh, if people are all playing this. There was a blue saga that was spoiled. I thought you that. wanted to talk about Think Thrice. I do want to ask you about Think Thrice. Where is that card? What is that? Uh... Is it there? I don't remember what it's called. Oh, Glimpse of Freedom. Yeah. Weird name for a blue card. Oh, I guess I guess the idea is that they freedom, have man. they have a glimpse of freedom and then you bury them somehow in card advantage. So this, this that, is I don't know. A, I don't really understand this name. Um, one you for an instant draw a card. Draw a card we've seen that has seen play as you know think twice and has seen play as radical idea as radical idea. Uh, like those cards as a way to continue to use this card. Oh, it's somewhere in between the two of them, I guess, or it's a little better than both of them. Well, all right. So let's think about it like this. It's so this card has got escape for two U, right? right. So it's the same, like as the flashback as think as twice. Think twice. Now, I was never that much of a think twice guy. When think twice was first printed, I ended up playing compulsive research instead, and one that states. I don't know if you recall with this girl. Yeah. Um, think twice is inferior to compulsive research for purposes of digging to a particular card. It's obviously much better for purposes of consistently getting card advantage over time. If you have an unlimited amount of time, this card is probably fantastic. Right. Um, but it's got escape, it's got, you know... How, how do you feel about Thirst for Meaning as a card? Is, is this... that the new Thirst for Knowledge? Yeah, yeah, it's too... Well, too I, I value knowledge over meaning. Yeah. So. <laughs> Take that for um, what you will. Obviously, it's a lot easier to have reasonable artifacts that you might want to throw away, like lands in some, in some well, universes. This format's got enchantments you might want to throw sure. away. Like half the creatures. <laughs> Just looking at this list, I can see a few. Um, like what if you had like a legendary, right? Like sure. tons of these guys are legendary. Is, is this a card you think you're going to play... You, you, you could see yourself playing I can imagine standard. playing this card. Yeah. Right? Like, there's all what has to happen for you to play it? Here's an easy example. There's all kinds of... Um, if you, if you go so to basically play, it's knowledge, except discard an enchantment. So if you just drop down to black for a second. So black has a card, um, which is uh, a two-mana card called... Where is it? Meyer's Grasp. Meyer's Grasp is one and a B for an enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets minus three, minus three, okay? So this is basically like a last gasp, yeah. right? But sorcery speed, and rather than being an instant, it's an enchantment, okay? Yeah. So this is worse than last gasp for purposes of dealing minus three, minus three to a creature, and better in every other way. Unfortunately, it's only functionality is to deal minus three, minus three to a creature. But here's right. the thing. I can, let's say I'm playing against blue-white control and they don't have any creatures or they don't have any small creatures. Sure. I can just use Thirst for Meaning, discard my otherwise minimum utility Meyer's Grasp, and then turn that into a... They're totally going to play some 2-3 white-blue flyer that draws a card next turn and you're going to die to it. Probably not. <laughs> if I've got if I've got Meyer's Grasp in my deck... If history's any indication, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> what is that, Elite Card Mage or something? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not losing to that, right? <laughs> like, sure, whatever you say. I can tell you what I lose to, okay? This is what I lost. Apparently everything, Mr. Silver 4. Okay. This is what I lost to this week. So I've been collecting worst ways to lose recently. Mm. So tell me which is the worst way to lose. The PTU I didn't win, the one that were before the one I won. I, I lost the last round of Swiss where I was like so far ahead and then my opponent was playing like the 
the Sultai engine version of blue green and I was playing regular blue green and I I cast like two huge uh what do you call him? The blue green guy, draw a bunch of cards, gain a bunch of life. Two huge hydroid crisis. Yeah. He just like whittles me back to nothing. I have nothing. And he's got his board is like two ovens, Liliana, Oko, Massacre Girl. That's his board. My board okay. is nothing. But I have like a ton, I have more than 10 land in play. And uh, one of my lands is Castle Ventress. But I'm like, well, how much time is left? So I concede uh, just to go into game two. My top card is mass manipulation. <laughs> is that a worse way to lose? And then I thought, I wasn't sure. I lost to just good old fashioned mana screw in the top, top eight against Jordan Berkowitz, who won, right? Uh, so but is this the worst way to lose? So I'm one and one against Azorius Control in round two this week. And he just kills me with, and he's on nine. I have a Lava Dart in my graveyard and two Seal of Fire in play. And my top card is Lightning Bolt, okay? So he's on nine, which is not quite dead, but like, I think I can string together a kill. He kills me with Jace Ultimate because I didn't know how many counters are on Jace. I thought there were 10 counters on Jace, and I just missed that he plus two Jace to Fate Seal himself that turn. Just like, is that a worse way to lose? The reason that I ask is because the card in my hand was Fry. So he couldn't even counter it. If I, if I just like, oh, better better Fry that instead of losing, right? Which is a worse way to lose. The the mass manipulation concession or I think the mass manipulation because I could have just looked with you could have just yeah before you, it's just like a basic like like just am I dead well I wasn't real? I could have kept playing for a I'm while anyway. saying, he, I wasn't like, anywhere near but dead but like what can I draw to win what's my outs like that's just the basic thing you're supposed to be doing every turn of the game right yeah. and like you just like let yourself down. I, I was trying to play to my outs because there was only 10 minutes left. And I yeah. won game two really sure. quick, right? Sure. So, um, that's fair. I mean, that's. Then, uh, but then this one, Fry is in my hand. Is, is That's that's kind of bad, right? Yeah. Uh, so are any of them worse than not tapping your wear bears to pay for circular logic? That's the metric by which we judge these. I never did that. I did that. I, I know you did that. <laughs> It's probably between the PTQ top eight and uh, Would you have, driving home. Uh, I mean, and then what happened? Poland made finals and lost, right? No, that was a different event. I think. You, oh no! Oh no! That, that was, was the, the werewolf. Oh, that was the werewolf. Oh god! I was newly married. I think I was married for a week at that point or something. Yeah. And I was and I was just playing in P. I was just attending PTQs, right? So I just attended that. P I was already qualified, and I just attended that PTQ. Is that, wow! How rich was I that I could just attend PTQs? And then, oh, and then it turned out I ended up playing the last PTQ of the season because I thought I was qualified, but it turned out I was really close on rating. <laughs> Remember rating qualifications? Jeez. Yeah, I just, they incentivized me to not play for ratings, long periods of time. Ratings qualifications for Team Pro Tours? Oh, my uh, God. Did we get one of those? Uh, no, we, we won a PTQ. Yeah. Eric Kesselman, Brooke, and I got a number. I mean, of... I've got a number of ratings invites yeah, yeah. to Team Pro. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I just didn't want to know if we got one. No, we didn't get I don't think we got one. We, we won one with oh, McKenna. Oh, actually, right? I think we we won one with McKenna. We played with McKenna. Yeah. That team was called Dave Price Fan Club. They made us change the name at the Pro Tour because um, because it, it had somebody's name you're in it. You're not allowed to. Yeah, you're not yeah. allowed to reference someone's and name. And we were like, we're like literally fans of Dave Price. We're not making fun of him. He's yeah, our friend. doesn't matter. So they made us change it. And we changed it to like a super dirty name uh, that they just allowed us to do. because That's super dirty. Yes. <laughs> I'm making the hand motion of the name that Brian chose. 
and uh, we're not going to talk about what it was. <laughs> okay. But it was filthy, and you could look at you could look this up on uh, if you could navigate your way from a place called oh, a place that was once called DailyMTG.com, but it's also it and was find also, old it team. Was also, a, like very much a self-deprecating magic reference that was about a prostitute. No, it was not about a prostitute. He picked her up in a bar. <laughs> not a prostitute. Anyway. She had done a lot of work that week, um, which is how we got to the punchline. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, talk about some red cards. I know you are. We've talked a lot about your mismatched mountains now. Yeah. Um, no one's tilting off of these. Yeah. I only did it because I thought people would tilt. No one even seems to notice. Yeah. Why yeah. don't they notice? People are, you know, they have bad operations. I don't know what to tell you. The whole point of it, I take, it takes so much care. To get these mountains into yeah. the deck, right? I chose them individual style. Yeah, you need to photograph them all laid out. I did that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, red cards, sure. I mean, this is not your typical red card here. What do you think about Storm's Wrath? So this card is 2RR for a sorcery. It's rare, though. Storm's Wrath deals 4 damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Is this like a red... It's like a, it's like a pretty good wrath, right? I mean, it seems fine, right? It, it hits planeswalkers. Other wraths don't. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like an interesting card. I, I'm just curious how. Sorry. Um, what, what do you? Uh, I mean, what's your predictions for this? Uh, I think it's like playable. Yeah. I'm not excited. I mean, it's not. Like, you look at a card like. Supreme Verdict, which was, uh, you know, the nth Wrath of God variant at four, and you're like, oh wow, this card is probably better than previous Wrath of God variants. Um, I look at this one and I'd say, this card has to have a pretty specific context for it to be better than a four mana Wrath of God. Uh, and the fact that there's a ton of playable creatures that might have five or more toughness in standard. It's not a good predictor for this card, right? So, like, Cavalier of Thorns, other Cavaliers uh, that are, you know, less good than Cavalier of Thorns but still played. Uh, many of those guys have greater than four toughness. Uh, the average Hydroid Crisis has about four toughness, I'd say, but so slightly above average Hydroid Crisis have more than that. Um, depending on how many wolves you've got, wolves sure. might have higher than four toughness. Uh, most dragons have got greater and stuff. Even a pelt collector might have more toughness. I, w I wonder if this card couldn't round out the fours in some of the um, Fires of Invention decks. Like where some, a lot of times you, you play a four and then you play your fires and you, you get to play another four. You know, and I mean, is, is this a better, better cleanup card than... A Sphinx? Well, well you're I'm, just like Fire Sphinx. That's, that's pretty good because... You know, sometimes you're under pressure and you need... Yeah, the Sphinx blocks. Okay. I mean, what are you under pressure by? If you're under pressure by a bunch of guys and they have an Embercleave in play, this is better. Yeah. Okay? If they have almost any other situation and it's only turn four, Sphinx is pretty right. good. Part I want to... Any, any feelings about the Underworld Rage Hound? Yeah, so this card is one in an R for a 3-1 uh, that it has to attack each turn if able. This feels very Michael J to me. It's like... I don't know. I feel like... 
it depends on who your opponent is. Like, a lot of people are just going to get their face smashed in by this card. Other people are going to kill it, and then it's not going to matter that much. Uh, the point of this card, even though it's only a common, yeah. is that it has the ability to escape for three in an R, so exile three other cards yeah. uh, to escape this thing um, for four. This gives certain types of decks some staying power, right? So you have to get four other cards, I'm sorry, three other cards into your graveyard as well as four mana to escape it. Um, you know, decks that have got like a bunch of direct damage that's cheap are going to easily be able to get that fuel in play. Whether or not they've got four mana is a different question. <laughs> um, I think this card is okay. Yeah, I kind of uh, wish it had haste, right? I mean, like, it, it might be way overpowered at haste. Like, a 3 1 haste for four. You, you know what would fix that? Make it a rare. <laughs> oh, a mythic rare. <laughs> mythic rare. I mean, speaking of mythic rare. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, speaking of rares first. What do, what do you think about Underworld? We, obviously, this has applications in John Finkel charity streams of the future. Yeah. Right? But, like, uh, Underworld Breach, 1R for an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. At the beginning of the end, step sacrifice Underworld Breach. So this is basically a Yagmoth's Will type card. Obviously, there's a steeper cost. You're, not, you're never going to go... Like just nuts playing all the cards out of your graveyard with this. So, like if you have, you know, you know, it used to be like you're like I'm not well. I've got five cards in my graveyard. They all cost zero or one or rituals. I'm going to use them all. You can't really do that. Well, you can. So let's say you have a bunch of cards in your graveyard, right? And you have one dark ritual of some kind. Okay, you just use the dark ritual and then you just escape all the other cards to keep casting the same dark ritual. Now you couldn't have done that. With, with the, the old yard. Sure, oh, that's fair. That's so fair. If you've got any payoff at all, right? right. You're setting up storm, I mean, you're generating a, I mean, an obscene this, amount this of really mana. This really feels like it's gonna be some sort of vintage engine, right? Well yeah, if you have any Yogmas I mean sorry, any ritual at all. Yeah. Any. Like Rite of Flame or Dark Ritual or just, whatever. Just keep doing it over and over. Yeah, just like the first one implies the <laughs> every subsequent one as long as they're in the same color. Yeah. What uh, do you see this card getting played in standard at all? Like, do you see this like as something that like, like some like, as like a two of in like some Jeskai control deck? So there are classes of cards that are used in multiple styles of decks, right? So an easy example would be the card Bitter Blossom, right? So sure. Bitter Blossom is a card that was uh, designed by someone who is somewhere between foolhardy and pure evil <laughs> somewhere on that range uh, and that card I think by flavor implication is a fairies card right so it's, it's most famously played in a fairies linear deck with a ton of other cards like mistbind clicks and you know whatever else spell stutter sprites they're exploding the fact that there are getting multiple fairies on the battlefield right Bitter Blossom was also randomly played in the sideboard of Legacy decks because it basically auto-beats the card Death Shadow, right? They can never get through a Death Shadow. I'm sorry. Death Shadow can never get through a Bitter Blossom. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. force field, right? Uh, and it also was, in standard, it was just rando played in Black Red Beatdown decks where it just created a persistent source of damage that was potentially effective against opponents' life totals, right? But it's played in very different strategies despite being the same card. Um, I think that a lot of the escape cards are going to be played in progressive card advantage strategies, which is basically like I play a card A, I play a card B, 
you know, I play card A, I play card B, I play card C, they trade with your cards, they go to the graveyard, and then I have some number of escape cards, which are then uh, used to generate some amount of card advantage in the future via their escape cost, right? Right. Separately, I think that there are some escape cards, could be the same, could be different escape cards, that are engine-based cards, where I'm just putting a ton of cards in my graveyard all at once, perhaps with dredge, and all of a sudden I'm just paying RR and I have some huge creatures that are super undercosted. Um, I think that they're all valid strategies and standard, standard, I think, progressive card advantage is more likely and in formats like modern that have real graveyard juicing, you're going to see these explosive ones and then probably won't see crossover. Like, I don't think, I don't think people are going to chip shot with Elsbeth 4 in modern. Right. right? I think they're going to chip shot with Elsbeth 4 in standard a lot. What are we going for? I'm looking for this blue card that got previewed today. It's a blue saga. I think it's uh, Kiora's Triumph or something like that. It's basically seven mana for a saga. Wow. Chapter one yeah. is make an 8-8 eight, eight hexproof Kraken. Okay. All right, so uh, chapter two is tap all lands target player controls maybe target opponent controls they don't untap next turn yeah and then chapter three is take control of target permanent they control cost seven cost seven no taking my head man that card seems pretty pretty spicy to me what do you think you get for a seven <laughs> i mean like <laughs> like what were you expecting right like the first the first permanent is an 8-8 Kraken, right? Right. Hexproof. All right. They can't, you know, they can't really mess with it. They can't, you know, you can... I'm just saying, like, like what I expect for 7 in a deck that's playing blue is some really just, like... It's not an instant, right? No, it's not an instant, but it's, I... You, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tapped out of my blue deck, Mike. Where would I ever get ideas like that for? Yeah, I never did it at 7, man. Oh, well, 7 is... First of all, I don't... Th I think this is probably a blue-green deck. I'm oh, sorry. I'm in now. Now that you've added green, why would I not be in? Oh, um, actually, now that you, now that it's, in, I'm in. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me now. It's just you know, you're like somewhere. You're Nissa. <laughs> I've got seven. Right, I've already got seven. How fast can I sign up? Yeah, I'm in. I mean, there's really a question of how many expensive cards you're going to play. Sure. It's just less good. I'm sorry. This is more powerful than a cavalier. Right. But less good than a cavalier. Sure. Right. That's yeah, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, yes, yes. how much card advantage does this generate versus how much card advantage a Cavalier generates? I guess it generates infinite card advantage if you kill your opponent, right? <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, you just lock your opponent out from playing the game for a couple turns, right? I mean, but you got to punish them, right? So one of the problems is, like, you, you know, well, other so like, Kraken building decks, right? Like, I have some decent experience in blue-green decks that make some Krakens, right? Yeah. And the problem is, like, a lot of the time you're making an 8-8, swinging with it, they chump block, and then you just recycle your 8-8, right? And then the thing is, like, they're just chump blocking with a 1-1 every turn. They're not making a lot of forward movement, but they were going to discard anyway, right? right? Like, that's the that's the thing. I, I don't know. Sex card is probably going to find a place. It's just... Yeah. All I'm asking is, what do you expect for seven? I think this card is more more exciting. Well, I mean, this is obviously. I mean, this is a card that's already just like got a home in one of my commander decks. Yeah, so it's a Tessin champion two G for a one three constellation whenever enchantment enters the battlefield. Put a plus one plus one counter on it and draw a card. Right, so it's got all the enchant enchantress abilities, except for hexproof. But, <laughs> but you know, 
you can't have see, everything. Did you see the other card today? The white flyer that um, where did it go? Archon of Sun's Grace, two WW for a three four flying lifelink. Pegasus creatures you control <laughs> have lifelink. Has there ever been a playable Pegasus? I don't know. This might be playable. Um, and the reason that it says Pegasus creatures is because whenever an enchantment enters a battlefield under your control, create a two two white Pegasus creature token with flying. Wow. This seems good. <laughs> so three four flying lifelink for four. For four. I mean, it's it's getting into the like. Ugh, this is a little expensive to rely I mean, on for constructed. But I'd have to. Th- I wouldn't. I would not kick three four flying lifelink for four out of the bed before I finished reading the card. Okay. All right. Okay. Like, I mean, I have tried and both succeeded and failed. To play 4-4 four, four flying for 4. Sure. Is plus 1, plus 0 oh better or worse than lifelink? Right. Yes. <laughs> Depends, right? You're playing, this card is a monster against mono red. I right. mean, provided you live to turn 4. Yeah. Right, right, provided they, they don't, don't have a, a lava coil. They or or uh, whatever the... Uh, what's the card that does 4 damage and they sack a land unless it's a red creature? Yeah, that so... Card, you know. Or if they an Embercleave, they're just going to run, you know. Sure. But, like... Look, they've got they've got outs now. It's better than when Red never had any outs, right? Or I guess two bolts will just do yeah. it. Uh, but any or a fry, you know. Yeah. All right, this is way less good than I was imagining. But <laughs> if you untap with it and you have a handful of enchantments, it's gas. Sure. I think like that's in, a lot to ask. But I mean, again, this you know obviously is the foundation for a deck. You know, this this bears a strong resemblance to Sigil of the Empty Throne, which gave you a four four angel every time you played but you didn't get any body for it in the first place, right? It was just an enchantment. This is a creature, um, you know, and you also have, like, that Satessan champion we just talked about, which is... So, here's the thing. You're on your cards, and... There are many decks that don't care what life total you're at. Right? So, like, a blue-white control deck, your opponent's at a million life. Find a way to kill you, right? And they might might just kill you with Castle Ardenvale tokens, even though you made it to a million. Right. Um, so, depends. Well, what's, the, what's the deck in standard that you're most, like, think is going to get the biggest boost from this new set? I, I have no clue. Like, I, I don't even... It's weird, because I was so into standard before. I was playing... A, since Throne of Eldraine got, yeah. got printed, I played... I don't know. Not only FNMs. I played every single week FNM and Saturday Showdown for up through when they banned Golos. Right. Then I played the Pro Tour format every week. I played in multiple PTQs, played in a prelim. I played all the big decks. I played, you know, Jeskai Fires. I played Blue-Green. I tested the other decks, whether I played them or not. Actually won a PTQ in Standard. Yeah. I, and then I've also, I got to, whatever, Diamond. At least Platinum, maybe Platinum or Diamond on, on Arena. I could not tell you what's good right now. Okay. Like, it's... Is it Embercleave decks? Is it blue decks? Is it knight decks? I mean, people are all saying, oh, well, knights is good now. I'm is curious, knights a fundamentally good I'm deck? I'm curious what happens with the white life game decks. Now, there's a lot of tools there. And, you you know, you have, you know, some some new uh, devotion cards that get benefits off of all the white pips. You suddenly get to play Arcanist's Owl as a thing that can find a god. I had Arcanist's Owl in a little deck recently. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a solid card. Um, we'll see. So what you need to think about between now or perhaps listeners can suggest. Yeah. I think that we need to have a wager between you and Zvi. Perhaps 
the winner gets to push a pie into the loser's face. But people can come up with other creative solutions. Why do we have to do something mean and wasteful? Why can't it just be a gentleman's wager? No. Like, we'll start with a pie. I mean, Roman, you know to edit that nonsense out. We're just going to talk about the pie in the face here. Between you and me, arguing about Elspeth. And we, we need to come up with some metric for number of Elspeths played at the first Mythic Championship. Oh, but, but whether or not the card is good has nothing to do with whether or not it's played at the first Mythic Championship. Okay. Right? So, like, you could, you could make assessments and you say, hey, I think, that, I think that this card is good or this card is not good, right? But, like, if there's, if there's Field of the Dead still in the format, it doesn't matter what your opinion sure. is. Sure. Okay? okay. Like, that, like it, you're, you could be right. You could be right three years from now and it becomes a good modern card. Sure. Right? Like, how many Mycos and Gladys do you think you secretly own? Like, I'm wondering how many Michael and Gladys are in a box of throwaway rares I currently own. Right. Is it more or less than zero? I, I know I have a bunch of them. I, I like, Michael and Gladys has always been a, a, it was a, it was a real card during uh, Block Constructed. Was it? Yeah, people played that deck, March of the Machines, Michael and Gladys. It happened. Got it. I don't believe you. Or maybe that was the standard form. But yeah, it definitely happened. I've, I've definitely been in, like, Singapore for a Grand Prix. And, like, Masashi Oiso, like... He needed a Mycosynthlatus. Like, locked someone out with Mycosynthlatus or something. I don't know. Okay, so I'm thinking... Like, so I'm just saying, I feel like I saw a Mycosynthlatus. Like, I have so many magic cards, right? Yeah. And I I'm, I don't know. What's Mycosynthlatus retail for? So, 60 bucks? So, so I think... I think for the purposes of you guys shoving pies in each other's faces, which I volunteered you both for, yeah, uh, we need to come up with some metric by which to measure whether or not Elspeth is good. Okay. My metric is, did it And make- it can't be like long-term good. It's got to be sort of immediate term. All right. So top eight of a Star City Games open <laughs> series or bigger tournament in okay. the first three months. Oh, that's great. I like okay. that. Okay. So a Grand Prix is bigger than that. Sure. Uh, a local IQ is not, right? Got it. Okay, yeah. but it has to be an open series or higher event. So if it's in a pro tour or players tour, mythic championship, those would count. Uh, uh, an SCG open would count. An SCG classic would not count. Okay. Uh, if it if PTQ does not count unless it wins the PTQ, oh, yeah. it wins the PTQ, <laughs> it counts. Okay. Is that fair? All right, all right, we'll see. I'm going to run. Prix counts. I'll run the terms by Zvi yeah. tomorrow and we'll see. One copy in the first three months, I win. Yeah, that's okay. fair. So, I, I I believe that Zvi will agree to these terms because he thinks it's so bad. He thinks it's so bad and so just utterly unplayable in the current standard format. It's so the thing is, it's. I mean, Zvi is Zvi is sort of at a, a, a an ebb tide for magic enthusiasm right now. It's so, weird. He was so into it. I mean, I mean, he's just like he was very. He wants to really be playing like new standard. Yeah, and. He has to play old standard this weekend, so that may be contributing to that ebb tide right now. Like for me, I, I look at it and I'm like, maybe I, I, maybe I'm the same, right? Like I just didn't play arena. Like I want to. Like, don't you think you win a pizza queue and you're like, oh, I should be super enthusiastic about playing? No, right? you got to conserve your energy. No, I should have been grinding it so that I'd have packs for the, <laughs> so I could so I could draft to practice for the pro tour. Sure. I, well, you I don't want to do that on arena. I, I think you learn the archetypes, okay. I, I think it does more damage than it does harm. You know, given the amount of limited practice I've had over the years, it can't do more harm. Okay, okay. 
So. Alright, well, we'll be back uh, later this week with more uh, Top 8 Magic. I'll probably check in with Zvi this week. Maybe we'll t talk about some more cards. Uh, our new office. So we moved our office. We're not in the same office that we'd been. I liked your office. I did too, but we, we had to move for various reasons. Uh, our new office is literally a minute and a half walk from the Uncommons. <laughs> literally a minute and a half away. Can you can have the Uncommons play Constructed again? I used to play so many Constructeds there. Yeah, we can ask. They only have Limited now. Yeah, you gotta go to the Hex and Cub Company for the Constructed events. That's far. It is far. The Uncommons is easy to it's get It's definitely to. far from my office now. I mean, I don't know that... I think if the Uncommons had constructed FNM, no offense to Monesty, where I've been playing for three or four years, I'd probably just play there. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I'll ask them. I Since, mean, you know, we'll probably be there, take, probably take some lunch meetings there once in a while. Oh, wow. This is, this is great for your shareholder. <laughs> wow. All right. Tell so, me where I can sign up to be on that shareholder list. I, I will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will. Thank you. Can, we can, look forward to your investment. Can my investment be in packs? <laughs> Can I, just, can I just ship War of the Spark singles? Uh, we're, we're only accepting Michelson lattices <laughs> at this current time. So uh, you're going to have to go through your junk rare box. Anyway, this has been uh, Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores for Top 8 Magic. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you all soon.